K-A-L-W. If you've exchanged your life energy through exchanging your life energy for dollars, you've brought this item into your life. And in some way, to honor your life energy, you need to keep this thing working. It's easy to get new things and then dispose of them. But there's another way. I, I never took anything apart before. The first time is always the hardest. Oh. And after that, it gets easy. We meet the people who fix broken but beloved belongings. Then we hear about the reuse economy. We have lost a lot of the skills that we used to have to keep our goods in circulation. And we visit with a family business that practices another way of recycling. We are not just selling use appliances. We're selling refurbished appliances because we refurbish them. Turning trash into treasure. I'm Suni Khalid in for Hana Baba, and this is Cross Currents. When an appliance or other device breaks, what's your instinct? Fix it or ditch it? Your answer might be informed by the example set by your family or culture or how much the thing is worth. Or you want to avoid waste, particularly electronic waste, a huge and growing problem. By one estimate, Californians collectively toss one and a half tons of e-waste each minute. If you do want to get something fixed, but you're not a do-it-yourselfer or you're just too intimidated to try, then what? KALW's Mary Catherine O'Connor went to a fix-it clinic at a library in San Mateo. It's all about empowering people to fix what's broken and to spread an ethos of repairability. If you're interested in finding out what it's about, drop by the oak room. Welcome to the Fix-It Clinic, where the first rule is you don't talk about fixing things, you do fix things. Or at least you go down swinging. People stream into the San Mateo Public Library with their broken possessions, like Michael Press and his wonky turntable. Uh, I tried it with the Hawaii songs and the sound. And Courtney Owens and her antique phone. This is my uh, old-fashioned, wonderful landline. Which would be more wonderful if the ringer worked right. An MC introduces each person as they arrive, and everyone shouts hello. Hi, everyone. Say hi to Tom and his VCR machine. Here we go. All right. Tom Felody is carrying a tote bag with a VCR player, and meets a fix-it coach right away. I'm available. Yeah, sure. All right. Come on, Tom. All right. Hey, Mark. It's uh, nice to meet you. Let's go beat on this thing, huh? Yeah. Tom had recently set up the VCR for a friend, but when he tried to play her old vacation tape, it only went halfway. And then it didn't go any further, and you can hear the motor going. It got stuck. So now, his main objective is to get the tape out in one piece. There's no guarantee the player will get fixed. But trying and learning along the way is the point. A guy named Peter Mui started the first Fix-It Clinic back in 2009 in the East Bay. On this December morning, he's running around the library in a Santa hat, giving advice on things like a jammed printer. And you left a little sliver of paper somewhere in the paper path. And so we have to find that. To date, there have been well over a thousand fix-it clinics across the country. Peter continually recruits more fix-it coaches. Many of them first came to get things fixed themselves. 
I, I try to have the coaches act like they're doctors going on grand rounds in a hospital. Fix-It coach Cindy Navarro guides a young boy named Jack on how to start dismantling his beloved but busted tape measure. I, I'll give you a Phillips and I'll show you how to take it apart. Cindy has been fixing things her whole life. My grandfather was of that generation where you fixed everything. He worked in the shipyard. I used to sit in the garage with him and he used to take things apart and give them to me to put back together. She never lost that curiosity. It carried her through her many careers. And then I owned an automotive shop in San Francisco for 14 years. She started coming to Fix-It Clinics around 2017, drawn by the chance to share her skills. For me, the sense of community is we share our skills and we help people be self-sufficient. We've dismantled a system that worked to have tradespeople. These days, it can be cheaper to buy new products, like appliances, than to have them repaired. And with fewer workers entering the trades, it can be hard to even find a repair person. At the clinics, even the most adept tinkerers struggle to fix things like laptops or cell phones. For a long time, manufacturers have put up barriers to repair. Tactics include making it hard to find spare parts or gluing pieces together, which means taking them apart is tricky. Peter, the Fix-It Clinic founder, lobbied for a right to repair law in California. It passed in 2023. What it basically says is that manufacturers need to supply repair parts and the diagnostic tools. That's stuff like manuals, both for consumers and or a third-party repairer to affect reasonable repairs. He calls it a positive change. But what he really wants is for people to rethink their relationship with their stuff. He dislikes the term consumer. It gives the impression of disposability. Instead, how about owner? Because owner implies a sense of custodianship and stewardship of an item. And I'm actually thinking of going a step further to try and use the word guardian. Okay. You might not consider yourself the guardian of your refrigerator, but what about your family heirlooms? What if one of them broke? Fix-It coach Don Clutter told me about repairing a 50-year-old reel-to-reel tape player for a man whose father had passed away. It took, it took us a while, there were a lot of old capacitors that we needed to change, we fixed it, and then we, I said, okay, let's test it. Don hit play. The recording was of a voice speaking in a foreign language. But then, the man who'd brought in the tape player... And suddenly, I feel he's not responding. You know, he stopped talking, answering to me. So I kind of turn around and look at him, and he's standing there crying. He's an adult, you know, standing there and, like, crying. Turns out, he hadn't heard his father's voice since he was a boy. But can we extend this idea of guardianship to more mundane possessions? Peter thinks so. He doesn't really see a distinction between things that are precious and things that are utilitarian. If you've exchanged your life energy through exchanging your life energy for dollars, you've brought this item into your life. And in some way, to honor your life energy, you need to keep this thing working. A thing like a blender, which is what brought Wendy Kwok to the clinic. Hi, everyone. Say hi to Wendy and her, uh, what is it? New trouble leg. Yeah. Welcome. 
Guardian or not, she's mostly interested in keeping that Nutribullet blender out of a landfill. Okay. I'm a big fan for solid waste aversion. So this is the best way to do it. Awesome. She and Don, her fix-it coach, disassemble the Nutribullet and diagnose the problem. By the way, this is very inspiring. I, I never took anything apart before. The first time is always the hardest. Oh. And after that, it gets easy. And they fix it. Ah, there it goes. There it goes. Bullet blender fixed! Yay! That bell. Peter rings it every time something gets fixed. And he says, on average, about 70% of the items do. But do you remember Tom Felody and the VCR recorder? I hear the motor going, rah, 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 rah. The clinic is winding down, but Tom and his coach haven't figured it out yet. They've pried the top off the machine and can see more of his friend's cassette tape inside. The word Ireland is handwritten on the label. But Tom's not exactly sure what's in the recording. I'm not sure she remembers either, but but that's the whole idea of having it on tape, so you can... Your your memories are are saved. Then they spend nearly half an hour slowly disassembling and deliberating on the path forward. They identify a broken gear, but still can't liberate the cassette. And it it seems like it's just sort of really grabbed in there. By now, another fix-it coach has joined them. He narrows in on one section of the cassette harness, using a screwdriver as a prod. After a few attempts, he manages to free the tape. Yeah. You can see the gear over here. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. There you go. Whoa. There's no celebratory bell. And this machine is probably headed to the e-waste stream. But the tape and those memories have been saved from the dustbin of history. In San Mateo, I'm Mary Catherine O'Connor for CrossCurrents. Thanks, Mary Catherine. And if you want to attend an upcoming Fix-It clinic, go to kalw.org slash crosscurrents for a link to the clinic calendar. Listening to Cross Currents from KALW News. I'm Sunni Khalid in for Hana Baba. You don't have to work in the waste industry to know that we live in a throwaway society. But it's not just about how much waste Americans create, it's about consumption habits. But what if we built other industries designed to counter that waste? KALW's Hana Baba explored that idea with Phoebe Shanker. She's the executive director of Reuse Alliance, an organization that's all about ending waste, but also building an economy around repair, or as we call it, a reuse economy. What is Reuse Alliance? How did it start? Why does it exist? Reuse Alliance is a nonprofit whose mission is to grow the reuse economy. So we advocate with, collaborate with, and support reuse practitioners that are working to keep materials circulating within our communities. 
And we're working on a model here in Sonoma County to be replicable nationwide. What is a reuse practitioner? So we define them as four different types. They're mostly businesses, nonprofits, sometimes individuals who are uh, working across four types of reuse. Resale is probably a common one. Thrift stores, consignment stores, things like that. Repair, which is everything from small appliances to clothing and knife sharpening, those sorts of things. And then repurpose, which is people taking materials and making new products out of them or providing those materials to the public, places like creative reuse centers and building salvage material Mm -hmm. supply yards. And then the last one is refill, people working on to create systems of circularity, reusable wine bottles, reusable moving boxes, tool rental, things like that. And what's the scope of that problem? What's the scale of it? Well, it's a massive global problem that we're trying to solve a small piece of. I think what Reuse Alliance is really focused on is three major problems. You know, one, it has a great environmental impact. So the saying reduce, reuse, recycle, that's meant to go in that order in terms of effectiveness. If you think about maybe the glass of water that you're drinking out of and the energy required to create that object, you can make it out of recycled material and you save maybe 30% of that energy. But if you buy it used, you save 100% of that energy. So reuse is really an exponentially better way to take care of the limited resources on our planet. So that's one, the environmental Mm. benefit. Americans throw away about five pounds per person per day is a statistic that the EPA gives, which is pretty crazy. So we produce much more than our fair share, and that's just the waste. I think when you think about also our consumption, you know, Americans live in bigger houses filled with stuff that we're not, you know, that are basically designed to store our stuff. What are you thinking about? What are you are you looking at in comparing the U.S. to the rest of the world? We have lost a lot of the skills that we used to have to keep our goods in circulation. Our ability to repair our own items has been hampered both by the loss of those skills over the generations. You know, you think about our parents or our grandparents had the ability to fix things and they had those skills, but they also were dealing with products that were designed to be fixable. And now we have a system where even when we want to fix things or have those skills, it's very challenging to be able to because they are not designed to last and they're not designed to be repaired. You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting is, you know, we see now that younger generations in the United States want to have a different relationship to that stuff and they are really eager to get those skills. It is true that in general, things are because they're getting cheaper and cheaper, they're also being designed to last less and less long. So I think one of the things that we advocate for is, you know, there's a lack of transparency on the part of producers to say, this item is inexpensive because we've only designed it to last you five years. And at the end of its lifetime, 
you're not going to be able to repair it because the parts are not going to be available or, you know, are not going to be interchangeable. And so consumers need to demand some more transparency about that so that we don't assume that when we're buying something, we're buying it for the rest of our lives. Producers have a responsibility to not just inundate us with garbage products that we can't take care of responsibly. Right. And you did mention that there seems to be an awakening right now when it comes to waste. There's new regulation in some states, including California, called right to repair laws now. So what what are those? Right to repair laws require manufacturers to provide both instructions about how things are assembled and also access to parts and ability for independent repairers to repair things. So there's now a lot of push for a national right to repair law as well. Your organization holds these repair fairs. And the idea is that volunteers help people fix their broken products. And I'm wondering, does this go against the idea of supporting an economy where consumers pay professionals to fix things. Hopefully it doesn't go against that. It can help to support that. And the goal for us is to be able to be valuing that repair and to create more of a demand for those services and to grow an economy around repair. I talked about the environmental benefits of reuse, but the other piece is the community resilience. You know, that we do need to have these skills within our communities and people need to know where they can go to get things repaired and fixed and to get the parts. Okay, Phoebe Schenker, thank you. Thank you so much, it's been a pleasure. That's Phoebe Shanker, the executive director of Reuse Alliance. She spoke with KALW's Hana Baba. This is Cross Currents. I'm Suni Khalid in for Hanababa. As we just heard, some products we buy today don't last as long and are more difficult to repair. But one shop on San Francisco's corner of Bryant and Cesar Chavez has been working to save our stuff from the dump for nearly three decades. It's called Rancho Grande, and it's surrounded by refrigerators, stoves, and washers and dryers. Those aren't new appliances outside the store. They're used ones that have been repaired to be sold again. It's called refurbishing. In this story by reporter Azul Dahlstrom Ekman, we take a look at what Rancho Grande calls the other way of recycling. On a weekday morning, the corner of Cesar Chavez and Bryant is full of the sounds of people going to work. This is a street where you can find day laborers looking for jobs and tech workers waiting to get on a Google shuttle. On the same corner, you can find Jorge Bermudez Sr. putting used refrigerators, stoves, and washers onto a hand truck and setting them on the sidewalk outside his store. People can see from when they're driving by, you know, Oh, the guy has a stove, so they go around and buy it, you know? That's my showroom there, my driving showroom. 
Jorge Sr. is the owner of Rancho Grande. He takes old, worn-out appliances, fixes them up, and resells them. Or as he likes to say... We are not just selling used appliances. We're selling refurbished appliances because we refurbish them. Let's say your washing machine stops working. What do you do? Get it repaired or buy a new one, right? Well, there's a hand-painted sign right out front that offers a third option. Rebuilt appliances is the other way of recycling, you see? And not only can this option be eco-friendly, it can also save money. And we're talking about less than half of the price of a new appliance, with the possibility that it's going to last even longer than the new one. The shop has been on this corner since 1996, and from the get-go, it's been a family business. Also working are his wife Ana, his brother Alberto, and Jorge's son, who everyone calls Junior. Junior shows me around the inside of the store. All the saints, you know, Mother Mary and La Virgen de Guadalupe, my picture of my parents and my grandparents. Calendars sticking out everywhere. It feels like you're walking into a family's living room, except this one has 20 refrigerators in it. To complete the scene, Junior's mom is changing a little girl's diaper right on the front desk. You see, raising a kid in the store is a Bermudez tradition. There's always going to be a baby here. You know, in 1996, it was my son, and then my cousins, and now it's Alexia. In fact, Jorge Sr. was raised in his father's store. Not in San Francisco, but in Managua, Nicaragua. His father didn't sell appliances. He sold party supplies. But there's one big similarity between the two stores, the name. Well, there's a song. I don't know if you guys know about the song that goes, Allá en el Rancho Grande, allá donde vivía. And uh, he likes the song, he likes the, the name, and it's put uh, down in Nicaragua. He put it Rancho Grande. That was down in Nicaragua. And uh, once uh, I decided to open the business and someone asked me, how are you going to name it? I say, Rancho Grande. He, I got to follow my father's steps. You know? On the sidewalk outside of the store, Jorge Sr. is putting the finishing touches on a refurbished refrigerator. Wearing jeans and a denim jacket, about half of his body is obscured as he reaches inside. What was wrong with it? Uh, the evaporator fan. Put a new evaporator fan, it's ready to go. Once it's done, I head out with Junior to deliver it. So uh, where are we heading? Uh, down by Diamond and Market. We arrive at an apartment building in the Castro. Junior and a helper put the refurbished fridge on a hand truck and haul it up a flight of stairs. But the refrigerator that is being replaced looks fairly new. So I don't know what the issue was. I don't know what the problem is. How long Why? you had it? Well, it says 2017 on there, the four manufacturer years. date on it. So it's, not, it's only four years old, so it's not like it's like... You know, Here's the problem. Really nice, the new fridge has a computer. 
When that computer breaks, nothing works, and it's expensive to fix. In this case, it's cheaper to buy refurbished than repair this one. And Jorge Sr. says this 15-year-old refurbished fridge will last longer than a new one. You know, they used to compete before. Who will make the best appliances? Now they don't care. They compete who is going to sell more, and they don't care if it breaks in a year or two. You know? It turns out that what the Bermudez family does is part of an ongoing debate about the right to repair. Some people, like Senator Elizabeth Warren, say that big companies knowingly charge a lot for repairs or make parts scarce, making people more likely to just buy new. So right to repair just basically says, hey guys, you gotta make the information and the parts available. You get to sell them, you can make a profit on it, but you gotta make it available to everyone. Senator Warren is talking about repairing tractors, but it applies to appliances as well. Sometimes I charge for repair what uh, those guys charge for just for the service call, just for walking into the store. At the end of the day, I go with Junior on one last delivery. They're swapping in a refurbished Rancho Grande washer for one that broke in an apartment building in South San Francisco. The refurbished washer is basic. It only has three dials, a top loader. It might look old, but to Rancho Grande, it's gold. On the front is an old faded smiley face sticker. Jorge Jr. tells me that's what Rancho Grande used to put on their refurbished washers years ago, before they got a more official sticker. Yeah, that means that this washer was sold already and it came back and we fixed it again. And now we sell that again. After being repaired and resold twice, this washing machine is ready for a third life. And that's how Rancho Grande makes what was old new again. In San Francisco, I'm Azul Dahlstrom Ekman for Cross Currents. Rancho Grande has been in business for 28 years on the corner of Bryan and Cesar Chavez. You can find out more about them at KALW.org. Today's team includes Sarah Jesse, Lena Najia Basuni, James Rollins, Ganadi Joe Johnson, Victor Tents, Shireen Adel, Lisa Morehouse, Angela Johnston, and Ben Trefney. Opening theme music is by the John Santos Quintet, as interpreted by Daoud Anthony. For Cross Currents, I'm Sunni Khalid. Hey,